Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. Now, this, uh, we're just getting started tonight. Every service will be different, and I hope you'll pay attention uh, because we have a lot to say. I want you to turn in your Bibles, though, to get us started tonight. In the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10, and uh, I have a Passion Bible up here. I like it real well. You know, I don't say that about a lot of Bibles, but, you know, every every Bible has its strengths and sometimes weaknesses too. But anyway, praise the Lord. I'm going to read a scripture that just really blessed me, the way that this man put it in print. He's a... He's an ex-missionary, um, and he started writing, you know, translating the Bible. But this is in Matthew 10 and uh, verse 8, but I want you to listen carefully to what he says here. He says, you must continually, you must continually bring healing to lepers and to those who are sick. I like to say it this way, you must continually bring healing to the sick. You don't just do that one time if you're smart. You keep teaching on healing. You have to teach more than healing if you're a pastor because you've got a whole church full of people that need other teachings. Are you listening to me? But there ought to be teaching done and there ought to be ministry time to get people well. And so this is just the first part of it. You must continually, I want to repeat that to you, continually bring healing to the lepers. I would cause it the cancer of that day, leprosy. And there still are places on the earth where people get that, but it's not so much a big thing as it was in Jesus' day. And he says, make it your habit. Now this is really, to make it your habit to break off the demonic presence from people. Make it your habit. You know, if you don't know about it, you couldn't even make do it one time. But it, he didn't say one. He said, make it your habit. You know, what's a habit? Something that you do habitually. Now listen, I'm not looking for devils. I just know what to do when I find them. I've been doing this for over 40 years and uh, preached to all kinds of people, all kinds of nationalities. I gave a word of knowledge one time in Siberia, a church of about 1,200, the way they pack them in. Our American church would only seat eight probably, but they don't care. They're just so hungry. They come, practically sit on each other. And I had a word. I said, if you're a current drug addict, get up here. 37 people came. I said, I'm not talking about what you did last week, last month. I'm talking about you're a current addict today. Get up here. And I cast the devil out of all 37 of them. Yeah. You know what they did? Those devils understood English. Yeah. And they live in a society that speaks Russian. Yeah. The people. Yeah. The devil knows me. Yeah. I hope he knows you too. But my point is, if you're going to habitually do something, you're going to have to know what you're doing. And let me just say this in fairness to everybody here. I'm not bragging about anything. But I'm teaching it, and, and we'll do a thorough job on the three sessions I have. And, of course, tomorrow night we've got three sessions in one group, so we'll be able to cover a lot. But I thought he did a great job on there. Make it your habit to break off the demonic presence from people. Yeah, yeah praise the Lord. I was in a meeting a couple of years ago. I think it was in uh, Indiana. Uh, I think that was right. Anyway, the mother brought her daughter to me and said, would you minister to my daughter? Turn to Mark 16, too, with me right now. Uh, and uh, she, I said, well, what's wrong with her? And uh, she was there, and she looked at me. She's a young lady. She said, I'm a heroin addict. And so I grabbed her by her hair, and I said, come out of her. And that spirit left her head, and, I, and then I looked at her, and I, I said, what's that in your belly? What's that in my belly? She acted like freaked out. I said, you got a spirit down there. Put your hand on your belly. I'm going to put my hand over top of yours. And I said, come out. She said, oh, my God, what is that in there trying to get out? I said, it's the devil. Hang on. You're going to get free in a minute. And she got free, and she's now in uh, Pastor Nancy's Bible school. Got caught up with some drug dealers, and, of course, they th- threatened to murder her. She, they ever, she, ever, she ever left, but they didn't do that either. All right. You, you in Mark 16 yet? Let's look at verse 15. He said unto them, Jesus, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, verse 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe, and he didn't say just follow the preachers, 
And by the way, there's a lot of preachers who don't know anything about this. You know what you don't know you have to do without. You can't have faith for something you don't know. That's impossible. Nobody does, even in the natural world. Yeah. So it says, These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. That's the name of Jesus. They shall cast out and should read demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. And they shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now there's five things listed here I think is interesting. The very first thing that Jesus said a believer would do is cast out demons. I just think that's ironic because that's the last thing I got to in this list in my own life. I didn't know anything about it until I began to study it. Are you listening to me? So it's, you know, you might think, well, Dr. Jacobs knows what he's doing. Well, I do, but you should know what you're doing and be able to do it too. Anointing or no anointing. There's nothing here saying anything about an anointing. I'm going to point that out to you. I do have an anointing for deliverance, but when I started, I didn't. I just got in the Bible. Actually, I was 28 years old. I was a young preacher. And almost every pastor friend I had said, you better stay away from that. Stay away from deliverance? Yeah, it'll tear up your ministry. And you know, I'm still here, and I buried half of those guys. They died young, died early. Made fun of me. Yeah, a lot of churches that asked me to come. I've been in traveling ministry a good portion of my life, though I did pastor a lot too. And uh, I would, people would call me and say, I want you to come and do a meeting. Uh, is there anything you'd like to teach on? I'd say, how about deliverance? Uh, well, mm, uh, you got anything else? Yeah, I got plenty else. What would you like? But see, that showed me those preachers were insecure and God forbid afraid of the devil when you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That shows me people don't know their Bible at all. Uh, they know what color it is maybe. That's about it. No, you're in charge down here. I'm going to say something shocking. God's not in charge down here except through his body. And if you don't have it, he's not going to do it for you. So you just forget it. See, what you, you can't have faith for what you don't know, and you can't know unless you're taught. This is why we're teaching. I'm a prophet, but I'm teaching out of that prophet's ministry tonight. And people said, you better watch out. You're extreme. And then, you know, and took a lot of uh, harassment from preachers and people, believers, about this subject. <laughs> it's astounding. And I think it was 2018, I'm trying to remember, uh, that was just two years ago, a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, four different pastors called me at the beginning of the year and said, I want you to come, Dr. Jacobs, and teach on deliverance to my church. So I know we'd made a breakthrough at least with those four guys. And then one of the guys is a Hispanic pastor. He's, he's also a son to me now, but he said, I want you to come in the summer where I can put my kids in to hear you preach and you can minister to them. What a smart guy. Because really, if you have demons, they try to get in you at an early age. And if you have children, you need to beware of that and not let them do stupid stuff. Sleepovers and all that kind of stuff, unless you know that you know that you know those people. All right, just talking to you. So the first sign Jesus said should happen in my life if I believe in his name, didn't say I was a preacher here, doesn't say anything about that. Every believer should be able to preach the gospel. Tell your story about how, what Jesus has done for you and how he rescued you or delivered you or healed you or all the above. And then it says in verse 20, and they went forth and preached everywhere, including, uh, this is Brentwood, right? Brentwood. The Lord working with Dr. Jacobs and confirming the word with signs following. I'll just tell you what I'm expecting. I'm expecting people to get delivered if you need it. <laughs> okay. now, I'm not trying to intimidate you. I'm just talking. Listen to me carefully. I te everything I teach from two perspectives. I keep saying this, and I'm going to keep saying it until people understand. Number one, if you need help, you can get it. You can get it. I've never had a devil tell, I've had them tell me they're not coming out, but then I said, shut up and come out, and he came out every single time in 40 years, in 110 mission trips around the earth. I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. And, you know, when you're young and I started, I made some mistakes, but I took the correction and straightened it out and got right back on course. I wasn't afraid of the devil ever. 
Listen, Dr. Summerall said this. I'm going to to say it to you. The less you talk about the devil, the more control he's going to have in your life. The more you talk about him, not talk about him giving praise. You know, people goofy something. They get up and give a testimony and they just bragged on what the devil did. And one lady said, bless his holy name. Talking about, he got her, her praise misplaced. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying somebody's got to teach us. How many watched The Wizard of Oz at least once? You remember Toto, he pulled the curtain back, the dog? Man, did, was it on then? You know, Dorothy and the rest of them were shaking the tin man, the lion. He was crying, oh, my. And he pulled that curtain back. Don't regard this guy that you see behind the curtain. He tells them that like he's the And he's just, see, that's, that's what the devil does. He kind of comes at you like this big image that he's all that. He's bad. He ain't bad at all. I mean, he's bad, not good, but he's not bad motor scooter. You have authority over him. But you got to know you have authority over him. And how to apply that authority. And it's not difficult. Listen, it's, it's just as simple as can be. So I'm going to pull the curtain back for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So anyway, I took a lot of flack for teaching this in the beginning. And, and still maybe today sometimes people get irritated. I don't know why they would. Trying to help people. Okay, let's, let's go over here to... Uh, Let's see. Let's go over here to 2 Corinthians a minute. We're just introducing the subject tonight, and we will probably minister to some of you. I'm just talking. I hope you're listening. 2 Corinthians 2, but I want to say this. You know, when you, you know, if you feel like you're not ready to receive from me or God, you know, I'm here in his place tonight. I'm, I'm a son of God. And I have, and you know, I have an anointing for that, but I didn't want to start it. I'm making that clear to you. I just got in my Bible. What happened was I graduated from seminary in May in 78. And in September, I took a church. And all of a sudden, after I was there just a little bit, I began to realize these people have problems that I don't know how to resolve. And because the seminary didn't teach me this. Oh, they never brought it up. They don't know nothing about that in most seminaries. Even most full gospel churches, I'm not even sure they know anything about it anymore. We have so modernized ourselves, we've become a referral service for people's problems. How pathetic when we're joint heirs with Jesus. You're not a sub anything. You may think you're a sub because of the way you've been taught and the way you think, but you're not. You're a joint heir. Honey, there is no higher place in the kingdom than to be a joint heir with Jesus. Adam didn't have that. Yeah, he's a creative being, but he, didn't, he wasn't a joint heir with Jesus. Are you listening? Yes. So we're, we're going to talk about this tonight and hopefully get somewhere with you. We're to ask you to turn to 2 Corinthians 2. Let's read verse 10 and 11 over here, and we'll get further into this. It says here, to whom, verse 10, to whom you forgive anything, Paul says, I forgive also. And if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. So first of all, before I go further, he's telling us, listen carefully, you have to learn to forgive people. And carefully, pay attention. You're always going to have somebody that's going to irritate you and frustrate you. I don't let people get in my head no more. None of you. Even my sons and daughters. I mean, you know, not that they would do that, but sometimes people can get in your head and you, they take you down with them. I don't live in worry. I made my mind up years ago, about 10 or 12 or 15, I'm not worrying about nothing no more. Amen. Nothing? Yeah, nothing. Amen. You want to tear your faith up, just start worrying about everything, and pretty soon your faith won't work on anything. So I'm going to say this again. You have to learn to forgive. I know people hurt you and did certain things to you. I understand that. I'm not making fun of that in any form or fashion. But there's not a human being on the planet that hadn't been pimped or jacked around or hurt by somebody they really loved and cared about, me included. But you got to forgive because if you don't, the tormentors are coming after you. Jesus said so. In Matthew 18, every meeting I've been in for the last five or ten years, I bring that up in every at least one service. And I said, first of all, you need to forgive others and some of you need to forgive yourself. Because you let something come into your life you shouldn't have and you got ashamed about it and, and discouraged about it and oppressed and it drove you into something you're ashamed of now. 
But you need to get that out of your heart and forgive yourself. And forgive everybody else. Because the person you hate or the person you're bitter against, you carry them around with. You can get them out of your little cage and beat on them and then put them back in their cage. And don't look at me that tone of voice. I know what I'm talking about. I'm a human being too. Oh, yeah. So he says here, before I go further, which is more important, but right now, you can forgive because you're in Christ. That's the key to verse 10. Because I'm in Christ, I can forgive anybody of anything at any time. Are you listening? I tried to cast the devil out of a lady one time, and, and the devil came back, and you jumped right back in, or a demon. And I said, hold up here. I said, who you got something against? Uh, nobody. I said, you're lying about it, sure enough. Why don't you confess it? Well, my husband. Well, then you need to repent. You need to repent and that devil will come right out. But he's not, he went back in you because he, the Lord said to me, Spirit of God said to me, uh, this lady's got ought against somebody. And, you know, I couldn't get her delivered. I got the devil out, but he went right back in. I saw it. I saw the whole thing. And I let her in a prayer forgive her husband and the devil left. I didn't have to say come out again. He just left. Taught me something. I was way back, 1978, 79. See, I paid attention. Yeah, I paid attention. So you could forgive anybody. Just listen to me. Because if you don't, that person is tied to you forever. And some people, God bless their precious life, but stupid heads. They are hating somebody that's already dead. And it's tearing up their life and they don't even see it. It'll shut down your faith entirely. I guarantee Because the Bible says the mystery of faith or how faith works is in a clean conscience. And if you've got hatred against somebody in your heart or bitterness or whatever you want to call it, whatever word you want to put, or unforgiveness, <laughs> it'll destroy your faith. You won't be able because your heart's not clean about things. You've got ought against somebody. And Jesus said you need to forgive everybody from your heart. Even if they send against you 490 times in one day. Talking to you here. Hope you're paying attention. If you want to live free of the devil, you're going to have to be a forgiving person. You don't want to forgive, don't. But just remember the tormentors are coming if they're not already there. Because Jesus said that was what would happen if you didn't forgive everybody from your heart. Now, you may have some emotional issues with that because somebody really burnt you. Like I had people that burnt me, pimped me, you know, even staff members. I had to fire them. But, you know, I learned I just have to forgive people. And forgive them with your heart. Now, sometimes in your head and your emotional part of you, when you see them, you start breathing hard. <laughs> Listen, just deal with yourself. Said, no, 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 I forgave back then. Name the date you did that. You forgave from your heart. Your head gets in the way of that sometimes, but don't let it. And that'll keep you from being uh, trapped in bondage to somebody else's life. You, you're carrying them around with you, and really for no reason, you won't be able to advance in the kingdom any further because you got ought against somebody. Preaching real good. I'm just, I'm just barely getting this introduced. You know, I would say unforgiveness is a major door that you leave open. You know, if you go home tonight and leave your door open, I don't know about here, but where I'm at, the bugs come in the house. Or sometimes a raccoon shows up or a squirrel or, you know, whatever's out in the weeds. Yeah, and you've got to shut those doors. There's other things we'll talk about between now and tomorrow night, but the unforgiveness thing is a big, is a big, big thing. Now, let's see here. Let's look at verse 11. It's tied to verse 10. At least Satan should get an advantage of us. He just told you what you needed to do so that Satan won't take advantage of you, and that is forgive. But what I'm trying to show you, at least Satan should get an advantage of us, that he's telling us here that Satan could get an advantage in your life because you didn't forgive, and probably some other things too, for we are not ignorant of his devices. In other words, it better be said, we're not ignorant of his schemes or his plan. The devil, you know, God has a plan for my life, but the devil has a plan for me too. And that's to kill me and tear up things and destroy things around me and Make me poor and sick and pathetic and depressed and frustrated and tormented and 
I don't receive any of that. I rebuke it all in the Amen. name of Jesus. Amen. The Bible says give no place to the devil. Amen. Amen. When you start having all this stuff going on inside of you, you need to repent and get that out of you. And then you don't give place to him, to the Amen. devil, because he's ruthless. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you think I'm hard on him. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm tormenting him if I can. I think he's got a picture of me in the post office in hell. Yeah. No, they don't like me. I could care less. I don't like them either. So we're not going to let Satan get an advantage. You could see from this in the context talking about forgiveness or unforgiveness, but also there's other ways the devil will come and try to get advantage of you. Don't let that happen. Let's go back to Psalm 18 a minute. I'm just warming up. Is this okay? We'll just give some basic things here that we need to talk about tonight. I'm kind of like Toto the dog. I'm pulling the curtain back. See, the devil doesn't want me to talk about it because when I expose him for what he really is, a loser and a wimpy person. I mean, the Bible says, you know, I don't have to tell you everything, but it says, you know, we get to heaven and the devil's thrown into the pit and then people are going to go, is that the creature that weakened the nations? What a pathetic being. You ought to treat him that way now. Now, listen, I'm not making fun. Because he does have authority and power, but he doesn't have authority and power in your life unless you gave it to him. Through your words or your actions. You're going to pay attention where you go once you get involved in how you talk. You're going to be a mess. Or maybe you're already there in a mess. Because any words you release in your heart that are negative, not according to the word of God, the devil and demons listen for that so they can enforce that because that's what you said. There's only two beings in the, in the hall of universe that all things are possible to, God and us. I make sure I watch my words. And sometimes I'd like to say a lot and then I just, the Holy Spirit checks me, don't say that. Don't do that. So I hold it in. I just let it go. You know what I'm saying? All right. Now Psalm 18, this is important for our study. We're just getting warmed up here. Uh, verse 1 and 2, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, what a confession, and my deliverer. Yeah, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. We were singing that earlier about him being a high tower. The name of the Lord is a high tower and a safe place. But I want you to see in verse 2 that David says, the Lord is my deliverer. It's a personal thing. And I'm asking you to take it personally and ask yourself in a rhetorical way. You don't have to say anything out loud. Are you delivered? Are you free? I mean, I don't, you know, we don't want the devil to take advantage of anybody. What we're going, and what, I forgot to say something else a minute ago. You know, you have to decide when you're ready to receive. I can't decide that for you. Maybe tonight you'll come. I don't know. Maybe you'll wait till tomorrow morning or tomorrow night if you want. I think they can audit that class, can't they? And come on Sunday night. So, but whatever you think, but get in faith with me. And believe me, when we pray for you, the devil will have to leave you alone. Amen. But you need to know how to maintain that once you're free. It's really easy to get people free. What the trick is, so to speak, is them to remain free. And I have several chapters in my book that talk about things that keep you free and then the blood of Jesus too. All right. Well, you know, I grew up in the church. They didn't say anything about stuff like this that I'm talking about. Never brought it up. Never saw anybody cast out anything. They never prayed for the sick even. They prayed for the sick, but it's one of those deals. If it's your will, heal them. If not, kill them. They just were chicken to say that second part, but that's what they meant. How pathetic can you be? That's maybe the answer to that question. How pathetic. But anyway, so listen, I want to talk to you about myself. How did I get into this ministry? Well, uh, you know, when I, I got saved, I was a drug dealer and a drug addict, and I'd lived like a drug addict for three years. I'm not talking about just play with it, smoke a little dope. I'm talking about just take dope every day you live and a lot of it and carry a gun and just be rowdy. And I'm not proud of any of these things, but I'm just sharing my heart. And you know, when you're a drug addict, you do things you're ashamed of later. I'm not going to take you down in the dirt of things. I'm just going to help you see something. So, you know, I was just not very uh, right when I was a drug addict, and I didn't care what you thought about it or anybody else, That's, and I'm saved today, and I don't care what anybody thinks about that either. 
I'm kind of radical sometimes and bold, and people say, well, you know, wow. And I'm not being mean. I'm just, I know what I'm doing, and I just want to say what I need to say to help people. But anyway, so I started pastoring my second church, and um, just all of a sudden, I, you know, I'm going to tell this story on myself because I want you to understand how the devil works. I was just a young, young uh, pastor. I pastored a church a little bit in seminary for about eight months, and I resigned that and then ended up out in Otisco, which is not the end of the world, but you could see the end of the world from Otisco. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it seemed like to me. And all of a sudden, one day, you know, all of a sudden, my mind got filled, I hate to tell you, with filth. And so the first thing I did is I tried to take authority over that, but didn't know what I was doing. You have to understand, I just graduated seminary three or four months prior to that event. They didn't teach me anything about that. They didn't know anything about it. Golly. Very prestigious, very academic, oh, acclaimed throughout the Southern Baptist, you know, as a very intellectual, academic place. And he'd teach me a thing about that. And so, first thing I did, because I was smart, I went to my wife. And I said, honey, I want to say something to you. It's not easy to talk about, but my mind's filled with filth. And I just want you to know there's not anybody else but you in my life. I'm not hanging around uh, any girl or any boy. I'm not watching porn. I'm not reading bad books. I'm not watching, you know, pornographic stuff. And I don't know what to do about it. And I'm really tormented. And that stayed on me for about, <clears throat> I'd say, about two or three weeks. And I hardly slept. Because, you know, being a pastor, I mean, you know, you feel so defiled and so ugly and so guilty but I really didn't do anything to open that door. But the devil just came. What he was trying to do was shut me down before I had any knowledge of him. As God, I didn't know God would use me around the world to preach this message and get people delivered. And uh, it's just been so precious. I could tell incident after incident, and I'll tell some of them. Uh, but anyway, so a friend of mine pastored a Christian church. He's a spirit-filled pastor. <laughs> we used to go pray together, and he's having a guest in. He said, Pastor Michael, why don't you come sit in on this one time? So I, I went up, and I was on the front row, and the guy preached the message. He didn't really, you know, it's okay. He didn't impress me, whatever. It was all right. But the guy, he said, I got a friend with me. I want him to come up and greet the crowd. And George, come up here. And he gave George, the man's name's George Gray. He may be in heaven now. I don't know. And he gave George the microphone. And <laughs> Brother George Gray said, hello, good to see you tonight. And I'm sitting right there where Caleb's sitting. And the Lord said to me, go up there and tell him what your problem is. He could help you. All he did was say, hello, good to be with you tonight. And the Lord said he could help you. So I, yeah, he had a handheld mic like this. So I, I just took about eight steps up to him. He's standing at the altar. And I gently pushed his hand away from the mic. And I whispered in his ear, I'm a pastor, but I'm an ex-drug addict. And the devil's clouded my mind with filthy thoughts and I don't want to live like this. <laughs> and he took his Bible and laid it on my head. He said, wash him with the washing of the water of the word. The power of God shot through my face, my chest, my legs, out my toes. I thought I blew every toenail off. I thought the toes of my shoes were laying somewhere. It was so, so power. It went, hoom, hoom. and it took about three seconds and I got delivered. Hallelujah. So I, I wasn't used to that, but I was listening to God, and God said, he can help you, and he sure did. And, of course, I would call him later, and he'd come preach in my church some, Brother George Gray. Did you ever hear him? Were you there when he came? Powerful man of God, a prayer person, a man of great prayer. But so that was my first introduction to deliverance as way as a personal experience. And then, so the Lord began to deal with me in 1978. He said, remember I told you the people, I didn't seem to have answers for some of the things I found the people uh, dealing with. And I was teaching the Bible the best I knew, but I didn't know anything about this realm. And the Lord said to me, I'm going to teach you about the devil and evil spirits, Michael. 1970, I'm quoting verbatim what the Lord said to me. Don't read anybody else's material or listen to anybody's tapes. He said, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts, and you do what I did, and you do what the early church did, you'll have success. So what I did is I just got my concordance out and started in Matthew and found every reference where Jesus dealt with devils and people. And by the way, Jesus' ministry consisted of about one-third to maybe almost a half 
of the, his entire time in this planet dealing, listen to me, with devils and people. Yes, he was not so much dealing with things in the heavenlies. He was dealing with devils that inhabited people's bodies and minds. And See, you could, you're not necessarily possessed because you have a devil, but he could get into your flesh and cause you to be sick. Or he could get in your mind and cause your mind to be sick. Mm -hmm. He could get in your emotions and cause you to be emotionally unstable, very unstable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> See, that's what's happened with all these people killing themselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I prayed for some people to be delivered. They're still alive and walking around the planet today. Yeah. <clears throat> I prayed for a young lady in Texas, I don't know, a couple years ago. She's a young lady, too. I had a word about depression. And she came up, several others, but her in particular. And I put my hands on her head and I said, come out of her. And all of a sudden this evil spirit came out of the side of her body. She was like this, came out of this side of her body and went through the wall and took off. And she looked at me. I said, what's the matter? Well, it just seemed like something flew out of my rib cage. I said, it did. I saw it was an evil spirit. The spirit of depression was on her. She got me in the back room. She said, uh. I was having dinner with the pastor, and, and we were clean, they were cleaning up, and I was sitting there with the pastor and his wife and maybe another person. I don't remember who was with me. And she said, could I talk to you, Dr. Jacobs? I said, yeah, right now. I'm not going to go somewhere, you know, and talk to her in private. Not a woman, ever. Okay. I can tell you some stories if you want to hear them, but not very edifying. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> She said, I've been in uh, three mental hospitals in the last three years. I take 15 pills a day. I'm schizophrenic, bipolar, and yada, yada, yada. You know, every, there's a name for all the weirdness in people. Mm -hmm. I'm not making fun of her. But she got delivered right then in about five seconds. That spirit came out of her. Mm -hmm. And I called her pastor back six weeks later. How is so-and-so doing? Oh, she's doing great. She's not off of her meds. I didn't tell her to get off her mm -hmm. meds. She got off her meds. She's normal mm -hmm. and delivered. Right. Hey. In and out of mental hospitals regularly and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I went through the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Book of Acts, and started doing what I saw Jesus do. And uh, we'll talk a little more about some things about that in just a minute. But we, I started teaching it in my church. So the first time I ever taught it was in my church in Otisco. I mean, I probably had at least 15 people there. That was my church back then, you know. Eventually, we grew to about 100, 150, but anyway, just talking. And um, I preached about deliverance, and I said, anybody here need help? And Patty, I didn't know this lady was a visitor in my church that night, the first time I'd ever seen her in my life. She walked right up the middle aisle and stood in front of me, and I'm here, and she's there. And I said, how, how can I help you? And she had a red sweater on. And she said, the devil's just covered me up. I'm just so beat up and so oppressed. And I grabbed her by her head and I said, come out of her. And this lady's really tiny lady, very petite. <laughs> and this man's voice roared back at me and said, I will not. And I said, by God, you will. And you'll come out now. And I looked around at my people. They're all shocked. They're about wet their pants. <laughs> oh, my God. He's got a real one, Ethel. <laughs> True story. True story. They looked like they were in total shock that this little lady spoke with this man's voice and, and said to me, I will not. And I screamed right back at him. And my wife said my face turned as red as that sweater when I got mad at him talking like that. And she got delivered. 1978. I saw her five, six years ago in a, in a cafeteria where she was working. My wife and I, and she came over to my table. She said, Dr. Jacobs. How you doing? I said, how you doing, Patty? He said, I've been delivered ever since that night. Amen. That's a long time back. Amen. So that was my introduction. And, and by people, I'll give them credit. After they got over the shock, they looked like this. <laughs> I, I taught them to do something better. And finally, they lifted their hands. And we didn't have a lot of music back then. And, and they started, oh, the blood of Jesus. Us and they're looking up there to see if I'm still there and what's happening. We got her delivered. We sure did. So you got it personal. Now let me talk to you just real quick and then we'll get into some more material here. The three objectives of demons. Number one, to keep you from knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. They try to keep you from knowing Him as, as your Savior. Number two, they keep you from serving Him effectively. 
if they can get you derailed or into sin or into habits that are ungodly, then you'll be ineffective. And then thirdly, to torment you and torture you any way he can and any way you let him, mentally, emotionally, physically, financially. See, that's the devil's plan. Keep you from knowing Jesus as Savior. Keep you from serving him effectively. Torment you and torture you any way he can. Yeah, I met some people that were really jacked around, but I never met somebody we couldn't get free that wanted to be free, ever. Ever, ever, ever. Yeah, praise God. Norville Hay says, if you don't know how to get rid of devils, the devil will tar make a target out of you. Yeah. When a demon comes into a person, this is Norval Hayes, they think they found a home. They think they own you, and they don't want to leave. Demons don't own anything. Use your authority and run them out. They want, they want to be in a human being because they want to make fun of God, for humans are God's number one prize. Praise the Lord. Don't ever get tired of going to church. How dumb can you get? The devil hears you, and he wants to, an escort. Hallelujah. You still here? All right, let's go over to Matthew a minute, chapter 8. And I'm just hitting some highlights tonight. We're getting deeper as we go if, you, if you're with me. But I want to talk to you about some other things, and we'll look at several other scriptures before we're done tonight, and then we'll minister to you if you feel you're ready for it and you really need it. And You know, we've we got to learn to not be afraid. And, and now listen to me carefully. When I minister publicly, I never embarrass anybody even if I know a whole lot more than I'm saying. I had a pastor friend uh, came to me in the last couple of years. He said, can I come over and talk to you? He lives in a different state. And I said, sure. And he came over and he sat, sat in my office there and he said, you know, I'm really having problems with, I'm married to this lady, but I'm having problems with my past because of somebody I thought I was in love with earlier in life. And, you know, of course they had intercourse and all that. Can you help me? I said, absolutely. You got a soul tie to that person, the first one. And that's messing with your head, messing with your, I don't even know if her, his wife was even knew any of this. It doesn't matter. She don't have to know. I laid hands on him in my office, said, come out of him, and he got delivered. Amen. He's a pastor. It's thank God he had somebody he could go to. And I'm not telling you who it is. It's none of your business. But my point is, what if I hadn't been there that he could come and talk to me frankly and transparently without me feeling like, you know, Dr. Jacobs will put me down. I don't put down to anybody. I was in a church one time in uh, Texas. I had a word about nightmares. About seven or eight people came. I may have told this before. Just act like it's all fresh. You'll get more out of it because you get a negative. Well, I heard him say that two times before. Well, you didn't catch it all. That's why I'm repeating it. There's about seven, eight people in line. I, re I said, I take authority over those. I break that in Jesus' name. Now you'll sleep well and gave him a scripture. Got to this last girl in my line. She's about 32 to 34. And when I laid hands on her head, all of a sudden I went into a different realm. I had a word of knowledge. That's the gift of the spirit. But also at times operate in discerning of spirits. Now that means that I see into that other world. I might see devils. I might see angels. And sometimes I see into people. And I saw into her being and I saw this evil spirit. Now let me carry, I'm, just, I'm showing you what I do so you don't get uncomfortable mm -hmm. <laughs> with me. Mm -hmm. So uh, I knew it had to do with immorality. I just didn't know how she got into that or whether somebody imposed themselves on her or she was just loose or it was just a spirit, some kind of spirit of perversion. And I had her by her head when I commanded the nightmares to leave her. I said, now listen, I'm going to pray for you. Deliverance real quick. Gee, come out! And she went into a little, like a little mini seizure. And I've had hundreds of people do that to me. It don't freak me out a bit. And her eyes rolled back in her head. And she looked really startled. And I said, I got you. You're going to be all right. Just hang on. There, the spirit left her. And this was the story behind all this. She told the pastor after that service what really happened to her and why I did that. Of course, I don't, I just, first time I'd ever seen the lady. I don't think I've ever seen her since. Now, she, as a young girl living in a family, a mom and dad, her father, I hate to tell this publicly, but it happens all the time. 
her daddy began to fool with her sexually when she was 10. And he said, if you ever tell your mother, I'll kill you. Well, she's 17 years old. She had a nervous breakdown. I can't believe a man that you entrust to your life, your daddy would do. I know what to do with guys like that, but I can't do it legally. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. I'm, I mean, that really infuriated me. And she said... She told her mother, and they got divorced, and she said, I went off into dances, clubs, you know, take your clothes off, girls. And uh, she did that for a long time. She just had no self-esteem. So finally, she fell in love with a man and got saved, and she's married to this guy, and she's got two children by him. So she was able to have relations with her husband. But this is what she told her pastor. I never felt clean. And this happened when she's 17. She got saved later. Now she's 32, 34. She said, my, I've never felt clean about being with my husband because that thing was in me from my daddy, the perversion. Isn't that wonderful? She could be a normal person. See, listen, there's always a way to get normal if you really want to be. If you want to be weird, you can be weird. But, you know, if you want to stay that way, I can't help people. And I'm not accusing you of that. I'm just talking in general. You go down to the family court system, you'd hear a lot worse than what I've told you. That people do to other humans. It has to be demonic. Who could think that up? Hallelujah. So I believe in deliverance. Those other seven, I just prayed over their nightmares and they ceased for them. But with her, I prayed about that. But also, because I got in the spirit, I saw something there that needed to be dealt with. And let me say something else. Now, most of the time, you'll have to deal with the spirit different because you have to tell it to leave. It's got to come out. Listen, I read the Bible, and, and I went back into the Greek. I'm, I, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I had to take Greek in seminary. I'm not a dummy. I made A's and B's in it. And I go back and look stuff, and it said Jesus dealt with him loudly and firmly and abruptly with the devil. So that's why I do what I do. You, don't make fun of me either. <laughs> you get in trouble with God if you do that. Matthew 8, verse uh, 16 and 17. I'd like you to look at this a minute. It says, Matthew 8, did I ask you to turn there a minute ago? I lost sight of where I was at. In verse 16 and 17, when the evening was come, they brought unto him, Jesus, many that were possessed with devils. And that's unfortunate to use the word possessed all through the New Testament. People could be possessed, but a believer can't be possessed in his spirit. But he could be oppressed in his mind, emotionally, or in his body. But it says he cast out many... They brought on him many with that, and he cast out the spirits with his word. Now, I know he was anointed, but this comment here, with his word. See, that's why I started when I prayed for Patty. Remember the red sweater girl? I didn't know what I know now, but I just began to deal with the devil and speak to it and command it to leave. And he started leaving people. All right, and it says the spirits came out with his word, and he healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So within that comment of he took those things in Isaiah 53 and repeated by Matthew here, he's telling us deliverance was included in that. Can you see what I'm saying? Okay. Hallelujah. So let me, say, let me talk to you about some basic things here. Let, let's run over to Luke chapter 10 a minute. We'll get into that in a minute. But I want to read. These are just some personal notes that I put together. I don't know how many years ago. It looks pretty raggedy, but uh, anyway. You need to say, come out in the name of Jesus. That's what you need to do. If you're dealing with the devil in somebody else's life, you say, come out in the name of Jesus. And secondly, you need to speak with authority. Now, if you're a timid person by nature, you need to get over that. When it comes to the devil, don't be timid. Be aggressive. I think I told this story here before, but I was in boot camp, and one of the guys with me had a waterhead. His head was about one and a half times as big as the rest of us guys. We were just, you know, late teenagers in. And this big guy in the, in the barracks, he's kind of a big fellow, pretty thick and pretty tall, and he just, he would make fun of this kid a lot, this kid with the big head. And after a while, I mean, I just had it up to here. You don't want to get me where I've had it up to here. I could I, bar the door. I'm going to get you. And he was in the barracks one day, and he was down at that end, kind of back where Cedric's sitting. And I said, hey, big mouth. I jumped off the rack, you know, the bed we slept on. 
I said, hey, big mouth. And he looked at me. If it looks good to kill, I'd been dead. He said, are you talking to me? I said, I'm talking to you, big mouth. Now, I've had all the stuff I'm going to take from you with this boy. You either shut up, and if you bring it up again after this moment, I will jump you out and I will strangle you. You might be able to whip me, but I'm going to hurt you in the process. And I said, you can either bring it right now or shut up. And he looked startled that I put that on him. And a bunch of his cronies jumped off the racks. You know, we're in a barracks. These are all guys, you know, Navy guys. <laughs> and so all of a sudden I heard a disturbance behind me. I looked, six or eight guys got behind me. I said, praise God, it's on now, baby. Come on, baby. <laughs> yeah. But I wasn't going to let him off just looking at me. I said, I want your answer right now. And that's just about as aggressive as I was. I don't think anybody seen me be like that. Either you bring it or you shut up. And if I ever hear anything the rest of the rest of boot camp, I will jump you out, I'll strangle you, I'll bite you, I'll hit you, I'll hurt you, and I'll try to kill you because I've just had it. What do you say? I said, what do you say? Okay, I won't. I said, I'm going to hold you to that word. And if you violate it, I told you what you can expect. And he never said a word in boot camp after that. I mean, he probably could have whipped me. He's a big old boy. But see, I saw in that he was just a bully. Yeah. He really didn't have the same kind of makeup internally that he looked like because he just shot his mouth off all the time <laughs> and, and tried to ridicule somebody that was a little different. You see what I'm saying? He's just a very unkind person. I just had it. You know. And I get like that with the devil sometimes. You know, I just had it. Okay. So you need to speak with authority. You may have to practice that. Stand in front of the mirror and say, No! <laughs> Well, I'd like you to get out, Mr. Devil. He ain't going to get out with that kind of thinking. All right. You may or may not especially have an anointing, but you have the word and you're a believer. You have the name of Jesus. I just told you that out of Mark. You don't have to always know everything. You just need to be able to act. I think there's another thing that hangs people. Well, I don't, I don't operate like you, Dr. Jacobs. Well, you don't have to operate like me. That's just I know my pattern. I know the way God uses me. In deliverance. And sometimes my wife says this, if you feel that way, that's okay. And she says, you know, when you teach on deliverance, you get aggressive. I think you scare the people. I said, I'm not trying to scare anybody but the devil. But if you feel intimidated, well, just deal with it. I'm not after you. I'm after the devil that's trying to destroy your life. <laughs> and my wife says, I could tell you're going to minister deliverance that night because you were just so aggressive up in the grill. I said, well... I didn't plan to do it, but I'm there, and so get up here in Jesus' name, you know, whatever. <laughs> Even Paul said, we know in part, and we prophesy in part. So you don't have to know everything about everybody's situation to minister effectively. Here's another thing. I never let devils talk. I'm going to give you a clue. They're all liars. John 8, 44, you know, you're of your father, the devil, the father of lies, and all of his beings under him. I'm talking about the devil and demons. They all lie. I never asked somebody, how many's in there? I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. You don't need, I'll tell you something else. Now, this is just the way I've ministered just for 40 years. If you could do it better, go out and get your own way. But I just, and, I, you know, I don't ever normally ask what kind of spirit it is. I just say in Jesus' name, come out. And whoever's in there, even a couple of them, they have to leave. Remember the girl I prayed for, a heroin addict? Grabbed her head and prayed. But when I did, I looked and I saw something down in here. <laughs> and I said, what's that in your belly? She said, in my belly. Put your hand there. And I put my hand over her hand. Her mother was standing right next to me. I don't put my hands on ladies' bodies in inappropriate ways. But sometimes I have them put their hand on their belly and put my hand over it. And that thing started... I've had that happen a hundred times. She said, my God, what's in me? I said, it's the devil. And I said, you know what I mean, don't you, the way you've lived? And I kind of winked at her, and she said, yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah, she's living with drug addict people. They party and do weird stuff. Anyway, just talking. See, she got delivered. A specific gifts may kick in or not, but go ahead. I break this assignment. You could say, in the name of Jesus, come out. You need to learn to study God's Word on this subject, but also learn your pattern. Your pattern. And what the way God uses you. I just try to flow with what God uses me. Hallelujah. 
Jesus taught more and gave more information about the devil and demons than any other person in the Bible. <laughs> I don't think you heard me. Jesus taught more and gave more information about the devil and demons than any other person in the Bible. Because he was trying to get something over to us. We're supposed to follow in his steps, aren't we? We're supposed to be able to do the things he did, aren't we? <laughs> and you spend a third of your ministry, you're, you're in the earth, you know, 30 years, but only three and a half of ministry. And he spent at least a third of that dealing with evil spirits and people. The average preacher, preacher and sheep know so very little about this subject. Let me show you what happens. I ask you to turn to Luke, but I'm going to another place for a minute. Isaiah 5. If you'd look back there with me. You learned anything tonight? Yes. I don't even know what time you gave me the service, Pastor, but uh, how, many, how long have I been going? Maybe 40 minutes? Anybody know? Nobody's caring. Okay, God bless you. <laughs> I guarantee you, you won't hear this on CNN. You won't even hear it on Fox. I'm not even sure you're going to hear it on a Christian network. Yeah. I mean, some people may attempt to teach it, I guess. I don't know. I just don't see, it, see that happening a lot lately. But anyway, praise the Lord. Yeah. You know, Isaiah 5, 13 and 14. Therefore, my people... Now, I'm reading now the Old Testament, but there's still covenant people to God, so we take it through Calvary. We're in His covenant with Him, the new covenant. Therefore, my people, that'd be me and you, are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. So you go into captivity when you don't have knowledge about this. And, and, uh, and, and their honorable men are famished. That was their leaders. And their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth. In other words, hell's waiting to take over when you don't ever have knowledge about the devil and how he does things. Now listen, I'm not going around thinking I need to cast the devil out of everybody. I'm not looking. Do you follow my thinking? But I just, I'm talking to you that there are times that people I pray for, either they told me or I see something, and I can get them delivered, and that's a real blessing to them. Amen. Are you listening? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're not out snooping around, sniffing out devils, but we always know what to do when we find them. I mean, normally, all I do, I just pray every day, and you know, say, Father, thank you for the angels they have charge over me today. And by the way, Satan, I bind you and all of your works right now in the name of Jesus. You'll have no place in me today or about me or my children, my grandchildren. And I say stuff like that, and then I just go on with my good self and pray some other prayers, like that I might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, may know the hope of my calling, the greatness of his power it works in me. And You see what I'm saying? So I'm not spending all my time, where's the devil? That's silly, but we, did, we do need, because when we don't have knowledge, people get into captivity. People say, well, that's just the way I was raised. Well, maybe you were raised wrong about something. I don't know. Just because other people don't believe it, be smart enough to believe what your Bible teaches. And he's trying to tell us here, my people go into captivity because they have no knowledge. What you don't know about, you can't, Oh, excuse me, what you don't know about can hurt you. Many times people criticize what they don't know about or understand. They say we're extreme because they're ignorant. 2 Corinthians 2, 10, 11, we already went over that. The ministry of deliverance is not an excuse to be a lazy believer. How many understand what I just said? You can't just be lazy, watch TV all day, go to movies, recreate, be out in sports all the time. You're, you're distracted. That's what your problem is. You're distracted. You can't ever expect anything from God when you're distracted like that. You might get focused. All right. Not trying to hurt anybody. Now, I went through the Bible and I, I found this out. I just, it's my own handwriting here. I wrote all this out. It says Jesus can, uh, did exorcisms in church services, on street corners, in private. Uh, they didn't always do it in a private session. Like a lot of people say, you want to talk to me in the back room? You don't need to talk to me. If you get up here, I'll pray for you. You'll get free. Amen. Now, the pastor that I mentioned earlier, who's he going to go to? He knew I taught on this. He knew I wrote a book on it. He knew I understood it. And he trusted me enough to come and convey his real heart. And I prayed for him. That's the end of that. I don't ever bring it up. We don't ever talk about it. He just said, I've been delivered and I'm staying delivered. Hallelujah. Sometimes he had open air services. 
and there was always around believers and unbelievers alike. You should not curtail your service because somebody's here, you don't know them. <laughs> All right. Okay, let me see what else I want to say here. You always come against the devil coming on the authority of the written word. You need to know the Bible, that you have authority over all devils. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay, let, let's talk about something just a little bit more. Now, we're going to get a little more elaborate tomorrow, but I'm just kind of introducing this to you. Let's go back. Let's go back to Luke 10. I didn't want to leave you hanging there. I kind of jumped ahead with that Isaiah passage. But let's go to Luke 10 just a minute. Are we getting anything? Yes. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. You know, there's uh, sometimes that, you know, I can't help everybody if they don't want it. And I always say this, you know, if I have an unusual word, like I've had this word in a couple services in the last 30 years, you know, you're, you're about to commit suicide or you're thinking a lot about it. Get up here and people go, oh, my God, I'm not going to get up there. People think I'm stupid. They'll think I'm, well, I would think you're smart is what I would think if that's the case. I don't know that I'm going to have that word tonight. I'm just talking in general terms here. And sometimes people get so upset. Well, I can't. What if I go up there? What are people going to think? I'm going to think you're trying to get better. That's what I'm thinking. Instead of go spend $100 an hour to a psychiatrist, that's going to load you up with some meds. I have a friend that's a pastor, and he's taking this couple through, pre, uh, excuse me, taking them through marriage counseling. They were already married. And they didn't like him after a while, and they said, we're, we're not coming back. Okay. So he didn't see him for six months. He ran into him in the grocery store. Uh, what are you doing these days? Well, we're going to a therapist. Well, at $80 an hour. And he didn't charge him a dime. And so he said, well, what did the therapist tell you to do about your marriage? He said, we need extra partners. Oh, oh that stuff goes on all the yeah. time. Weirdness. Yeah. Minds that are not renewed to the word. They're just secular people. Right. You know, they're heathen. Right. They got a big plaque that says PhD in something, but they're ignorant. Yeah. All right. So we're in Luke 10 now, and this is when he sent out the 70. And they came back, verse 17, and the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. How much more would they be subject to us? This was the people that weren't anointed with our anointing. Jesus just temporarily gave them some power to do that, but how much more would we as sons and daughters of God be anointed? We're joint heirs with Jesus. They weren't joint heirs with Jesus. Jesus hadn't even died yet. But he says in verse 19, I love this, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. When those words are mentioned, that's types of demonic power serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, that should cover it, and nothing, no thing, shall by any means hurt you. <laughs> you know, people that watch these movies at Halloween about exorcisms and, and they, you know, they kill the priest or they throw him through a window or whatever they do, I don't watch that nonsense. That's not real life. When you know what you're doing, you take authority before you get there over the strong man. You bind him up and you deal with that person and whatever kind of devil they got or devils, they have to leave. Yeah. All right. Praise the Lord. So just remember this verse. And I would meditate on this a lot. Verse 17 through 20. You know where he, where he says, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. I don't, all the power means all the power. <laughs> yeah. Let's go over to James a minute, James 4. Are you with me? Yeah. I'm really thrilled that your pastor asked me to teach on this. I, I love teaching on it. I, you know, I'm just talking. James 4 and 7, the King James Bible says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Notice that's the first thing you need to do. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will flee from you. The word flee in the Greek means to run away in terror. Yeah. See, when you stand against him, let me give you some other translations of that. Here's one, the Barclay. So then accept the authority of God and take a stand against the devil and he'll run away from you. You got to know you have authority too. The New English Bible says stand up to the devil and he'll turn and run. And that's what I did with the big mouth guy and 
you know, in boot camp. Here's the Weist translation. He was a Greek uh, scholar at Weist. Stand immovable against the onset of the devil and he'll flee from you. The Bible in basic English says, Be ruled by God, but make war on the evil one and he will be put to flight before you. Hallelujah. I like that. You like that? I like that. So we're seeing something here. Accept the authority of God and resist the devil. And he'll run off. He's kind of a bully in a big mouth. I'm telling you, the Bible's clear on that. When we see him for what he really is, eventually, we're going to say, that's the one we were afraid of? Oh, my gosh. What were we thinking? Yeah. All right. Now, let's, let's go back to Acts 10 a minute. And I wanted you to see this scripture because it is so weighty about Jesus and the anointing on, on his life. <clears throat> And things of that nature. Thank you, Father. We're just getting started tonight. And I think Acts 10, 38 is one of my favorite scriptures because it shows that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost are ganged up against the devil and against sickness and disease. It says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed uh, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing. Now that's in, He went about doing good and healing. Let's settle that. Healing is good. Sickness is bad. Sickness is not good. Sickness comes from the evil one. I didn't say people that are sick are evil, but the evil one brought it. He, you, somebody gave him an inroad into that or whatever, or he attacked them. Who went about doing good and healing all, notice that, all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now let me read this into some other translations and I'm going to stop for tonight. Uh, the Moffat says, all who were harassed by the devil. See, the devil is a harasser. He tries to harass you, torment, you know, and do things to you. Here the Bible in plain English says, healing all who were under the power of the devil. I think Pastor Keith ministered, he said something about, you know, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So you have the upper hand. That's what I'm trying to show you. And the New Berkeley says, healing all that were overpowered by the devil. I mean, one time somebody called me and it was a tragedy, you know, a couple in my church and said, you need to come talk to us. My wife just told me she'd been committing adultery. Oh my gosh. And so I said, you want me to come right now? Yeah, your kids aren't there, are they? No, they're at school. So I went into their home and talked to them, and, and sure enough, this lady said to me, uh, you know, my husband, well, you know, of course she, whatever. She said, my husband doesn't pay that much attention to me, and somebody paid attention to her and flirted with her, and she said, when he calls on the phone, I get in the car and go commit adultery. And she said, I can't help it. I said, that's a lie. You can't help it. I'm going to cast that spirit of adultery out of you. And secondly, don't answer the phone. And if you want me to, I'll take the two of you back through your wedding vows. And talk to the husband, too, because he, and it's, a lot of this is private, but he said, you know, I asked him how often he had relations with his wife, and it was way too long in between. And I said, you need to step it up a little, buddy. I'm not blaming you for her failure, but that added to it, the pressure. And here was a lady in her 30s or 40s, I don't remember, and she had three teenage kids. And she just ran away and committed adultery and came back home. I mean, just, wow. So I cast the devil out of her, and he left. And I took those through their wedding vows privately, and they got remarried in my office, and they lived happily ever after. Anyway, it says here in the Jordan translation, he was healing all those that were lorded over by the devil. When the devil tells you you'll never be free, that's a good indication you could be. Because we got power over all the power of the enemy. Yeah. Yeah, praise God. Here's another translation. Uh, who passed through as a benefactor, still reading from Acts 10, 38, and the healer of all those who were tyrannized over by the adversary. So they, they, that's what the enemy does. He tries to uh, terrorize you and keep you in bondage and stuff, things like that. But it said Jesus went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil. That word oppressed means to be weighed down in mind or body. 
Sometimes people are weighed down, you know, in their physical body because they're sick. And sometimes it's a sickness, but sometimes it's the devil that brought that sickness. We were just in a meeting last night. I don't know if well, you were there. Pastor Alvin was there with me. And there was a lady standing back in the aisle. And I said, you know, I'd already had some words of knowledge and ministered to people. I said, you need something? And she said, well, I was waiting for you to call it out. And I said, well, I have a healing endowment. Just get up here. I'll pray for you. God will heal you. And she got up to me and started talking. I said, well, it sounds like you've got a spirit of infirmity. You're sick all the time, aren't you? Yeah, how would you know that? And I cast the devil out her. She fell out. And then her daughter came up and did the same thing and fell out. And they laid there a long time, 20 or 30 minutes. And God delivered them from a spirit of infirmity. Amen. It's when you get sick and you, one thing leads to another and then you get that resolved and then your body breaks out in sickness in some other area. Like maybe you have migraines and you have sore throats. Then you have problems with your joints. Then you have stomach problems. Then you have a digestive problems. Then you have problems with your neck. Then you have problems in your back. You have problems with your feet. And it just, you, it's a never-ending tale of woe, I call it. That's a spirit of infirmity moving around inside people's bodies, keeping them sick. Anybody need to come for that tonight since I brought it up? Let's all stand up a minute. I'm just asking, if you think that's you or could be you, you ought to come and let me minister.